This is Corey Gray and Tony Stewart from Hairdistry. Thank you for tuning in to the Hairdressers Podcast. Now here's a word from our sponsors. Introducing Norm Self-Checkout for All. Do you often find yourself in a tizzy with a credit card reader? Or perhaps tiptoeing around tipping etiquette? Maybe even paying scandalously steep card not present fees? Norm is here to solve it all. Think of Norm as payment simplified. No card reader for you. No wallet for your client. Instead, patrons pay and tip you straight from their phones. Checkout details are carried through the ether by either a text message or QR code. Your client receives a notification and pays with their previously saved card details. All they have to do is add a grand, luxurious gratuity. And all available with one low rate as a part of Schedulicity Pay. Try Norm Self Checkout for All. Safe, secure, and shockingly simple. Find out how using Norm can increase tips, speed up payment, and free you from unreliable card readers all at one low rate. Visit paywithnorm.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Jerry Natuno, and this amazing podcast is brought to you by Schedulicity. Hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey, and of course, I'm sitting with my best friend, Tony. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? I'm excited about today. I know we say that every week, but uh, but you know, it's not it's it's not disingenuous. I think we are excited. We just we got the coolest job in the world. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. And, and today's guest is probably uh, the first time we interviewed them, uh, and it's a him this time. But you know, they're they're a dynamic duo. Uh, man, it was that podcast probably was the funnest podcast. We laughed that whole podcast, and. It, you know, and that's that weekend. We're like, yeah, this this is pretty cool, man. This is pretty cool. Yeah, I remember that after we uh, after we uh, we chatted with them the next day, my ribs were hurting and stuff, and I was like, man, did I work out yesterday? And my ribs were literally hurting just for laughing for <laughs> an entire. I don't think I don't think I ever like came out of like sit up position, you know, for an entire hour laughing so hard. You know, it was just like my stomach was tight for an hour, and, and that's true. I, I was like. Why am I so sore? And, you know, how does it take up so much energy just to do a podcast? But it was great, man. And, and we got some good video out of it and stuff as well. Yeah, and we were blessed that they joined us on the Donate-a-thon uh, mm-hmm. to raise money for PBA COVID relief. And uh, uh, we really appreciate them doing that as well. And, uh, you know, but there's a there's another story that uh, we've uh, uncovered that we want to dig into. Yeah, so a couple – so back up a little bit. So today our guest is Rob um, from uh, the Ruzo Company, uh, also known as the Bloody Butcher. And we'll kind of get into that. But, um, you know, it's actually funny, like when 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 we're going to talk about Rob's sober story, you know, and and Rob and Rob's sober story, we were kind of with him at the very beginning because two years ago we were at IBS New York. And, and I think he was he'll t- he'll give us the dates, I guess. But it was the, it was kind of the beginning of a sobriety. And I remember um, being outside and just talking around like, Hey man, you okay? Because, you know, certainly the first few months or the first few, you know, moment moments are kind of the toughest ones, you know, cause you're still calculating everything and what you're going to do in, in, in that worth. So anyways, I, 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 I would never out anybody in the sobriety, you know, it's, it, it's their story to tell, not our story to tell. Right. Yep. Um, but, uh, but, you know, um, Rob and I talked about it a couple of times and, and today is the day that, 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 that he wants to tell his story, um, his sobriety story, which, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about, um, that, you know, his story is definitely going to impact, um, you know, many people in our industry. And I, and I think that, you know, Rob being, 
well, I kind of want to bring it up in the podcast, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited to get into it. And then um, we'll just kind of see where the conversation goes. But I, I have a couple points that, that, that I kind of want to discuss. with. I'm you. like all the listeners in the car right now. It's like, come on, let's bring in Scott. <laughs> let's bring him on. So uh, Mr. Rob, the bloody butcher, welcome back to your day off, man. Thank you guys for having me again. A hundred percent. man. Um, and, and thank you guys for um, for doing our donate-a-thon a, a couple of weeks ago. That was very, very awesome. We uh, we were able to raise some money for PBA and in, in, in the COVID relief um, uh, thing. But yeah, so just thank you guys for jumping on with us. Yeah, it all went out to hairdressers and salon owners, and uh, you know, it's and barbers, and barbers, and barbers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, to me, we're all like we're all one. the same. Yeah, yeah, we're all the hair industry. Went out to the hair industry. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. So what's up, Rob? Man, how you been? Yeah, well, t- I've been pretty good since the last time I saw you guys, which is weird because, you know, I, I will never forget the day we did that podcast, that podcast and we laughed so hard, man. And uh, I want to say, I, we really miss you guys because, you know, as much fun as it is to do it over a Zoom, it's just not exactly the same. Let's be, let's be, let's be honest about that one. That, 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 that first time, God, I don't think anything really, really important came out. It was just like weird stuff, but it was so much fun, man. Yeah, so, just watching Lane jump on Corey's leg and, and, and uh, you know. <laughs> Corey's I know man. He does that all the time, you know. He is like that dog in heat. And when I'm not there to watch him, I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> well, I know that I have to be careful around Lane's even still because uh, uh, he, he does like to play grab ass too. And sometimes he catches me when I'm not aware. And I'm like, what the hell was that? <laughs> I know, I know. It's this weird thing, man. And you might think being his best friend, I figured it out. But he does it with people that are like, he will do it to people that I'm like, dude, you cannot, you can't do this, man. <laughs> it's like, you know, we own a company and, you know, we have, sh- we have shit loads of fun and blah, blah. But sometimes there's just people that I go like, oh my God, you know who that is? He just walks up and just go like, hi, I'm Lane. And he just grabs it. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you can't do it. And you know what? Somehow he gets away with it. Nobody ever. I mean, there. It's got to go wrong one day. It just got to happen. I think because <laughs> people expect it to come from you, not him. And I think they're so so shocked that they don't know how to react. I think you're right. It is so weird, you know, because I know on stage or whatever, I'm always the talker. He is always the mysterious guy with the beard. He doesn't talk. He just throws out haircut after haircut. You know, he doesn't have Instagram or social media. He is the mystery. He's the mystery guy. But, you know, not to me. I mean, I know this fucker and he's not that mysterious. He's <laughs> your ass when he's around, you know, but nobody expects it. It's just it's super fun because it's uh, and super awkward at times. Trust me on that one. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, I've been on the receiving end of it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You go like, oh, uh, I know, I know. But you turn around and then you see that laugh, and you're just like, yeah, what am I gonna do? Yeah, I think that's it. I think it, I think it's the big smile and the laugh behind the uh, behind the mysterious beard, man. <laughs> I know, I know. It's you know what? I've known the guy for thirty years, but uh, he keeps surprising me. It's I'm like, what? No, you can't do that, man. He says stuff on stage. You know that feeling when you just want to hide, when you just want to go like, I don't know him, man. I don't, (laughs) I don't want to, but yeah, well, I think it's the magic behind our company, man, that 
that, you know, uh, even after all these years, you are still, sometimes I'm just like, when he starts talking, I just go like, oh my God, here we go again. <laughs> which, is, which is good, you know, it's always unpredictable. So, um, yeah. Well, wow. it's never boring, right? It's never a dull moment. <laughs> no, no, there is literally, I know that you two guys are really, really close. And that is the thing you got with best friends. It is never, never boring which which should be a great introduction to getting sober because getting sober is boring as fuck <laughs> <laughs> all right all right all right well let's get into it so i mean i think we start with i think we start with the bottom yeah i mean that's it i think we start with the bottom right like so you know with sobriety or with any kind of change in life you know you got to hit your own rock bottom now that's not to say that everybody's rock bottom isn't different but you you hit your own personal rock bottom so what was the story there what was going on in your life there when when you were just like okay enough is enough yeah you know what it's it's really weird because i hit rock bottom um pretty much two years before I actually got sober. And uh, I think I needed two more years of alcohol and drugs to actually uh, uh, see the facts. Like, like I was too afraid to see the fact that I hit rock bottom. And uh, the night I got, so well, the morning I got sober was uh, the 27th of December uh two two years ago now so i'm sober for two and a half years and you know what my daughter was living with me at that point and uh, i have tried to stop many times you know professional 12-step program blah 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 i've tried it all but it never worked and somehow this morning uh i came down and i saw uh i saw the table and well, you know what a table looks like after 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 a, a night of binging. You know there were empty bottles, uh, ashtrays full with, and you know there was cocaine on the mirror and blah blah blah. Well, that was like the sight I was used to, you know. So, but my daughter was down earlier than me, and she just gave me a look, and it was she didn't even say something. My daughter is twenty one. She didn't even say something. It was just a look, and I don't know, man. Something like. And I have not touched the drop since. So it is, it is just, it was just that moment. I think I was completely done. And I think one of the feelings that was, that was for me was the worst is, was like, uh, I fully realized like, dude, you're 46, you're turning into a joke. And if there is something that, that really hit me is like, when you become a, a caricature of yourself, that's when shit is just not right anymore. So um, that was it. That was it. It was not even like like a big, the um, what's the word? Uh, ep ep epiphany. Epiphany. It was just I was done, man. So it was uh, the twenty seventh of December. So two days after Christmas. And I decided to stop. And um, so two days later, it was New Year's Eve. We were invited to friends. It was a big party. I got to admit, I was still kind of high from Christmas because, you know, some stuff stays in the blood a little bit longer than, uh, than just alcohol. But, um, yeah, that was a moment. Right there was a, a true test of strength, right? Because if, if you're here, you are going into – 
to New Year's Eve and, and obviously the whole world parties on New Year's Eve and for you to make that decision that you're not going to. And sometimes, you know, it, it takes a loved one or a daughter. I mean, whatever that look was, it, it just snapped into you. Uh, wow. You know, if you're seeing this and, and it goes back to what you're saying, you know what I mean? That obviously you're becoming this character or a character of yourself. And uh, I want to get more back into that because a lot of times, especially a, a father and a daughter, that relationship. It's actually funny when he was saying that I was thinking the same thing, like, like all three of us kind of kicked our habits for the same reason. Right. Yeah. And that's, and that's for, that was for our daughters or something. Or So when I quit drinking, it was, my daughter was six and I was like, I, I, I need to stop this. Like the buck has to stop with me because, you know, I came from an alcoholic family and, 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 and I knew moving forward that, that, that it was only downhill for me. It wasn't going to be, there was nothing that was going to be uplifting about that. And at that point I decided that, you know, I, I the buck needs to stop with me if my daughter has a chance, you know, yeah. and, and that, and that, and that was the commitment that I made. And I know Tony, um, when he quit smoking, it was kind of the same thing. His daughter came to him and said, dad, what are you doing? You know? And then he kind of made the same thing. So it's just, it, it was an interesting parallel. I, I totally was catching it as he was throwing it. Right. Yeah. hundred like, percent. Yeah. And, and we get that. I mean, we get that on an, on an intimate level. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I had a, I had a great talk with my daughter about this and thank God she said that, you know, I had a great youth. She grew up, you know, in a very, um, now that I look back, you might go, because I became a father when I was uh, 23. So um, I was, I was going, I was still going like, I mean, I was a train. I, I was, well, I wasn't a train wreck because let's get one thing straight. I am not an advocate for being sober. I mean, I am still an advocate for a fight for your right to party. You just got to know when the party's over. And that takes a long time to realize that, you know, some people, uh, I do believe in the people that can, can have a drink or, or, or have whatever, you know, and I would never, uh, tell my daughter, like, don't, don't ever go because I had the best times. And, um, when I look back, you know, the, my whole life was about music, rock and roll, traveling, barbering, meeting people. You know, it was great, especially when you and I know this might be a little hard to believe, but you can even hear when I talk. I have a I, I have quite a bad. St well, see, I actually hate that word. St stutter. So I had that since I was very young and I have been. Uh, bullied with that for a long time but then i discovered my well especially speed and um alcohol so from a boy that was afraid to talk i became a guy that that found out that hey if i take this you know i can function so much better because you know People, when you don't talk, people kind of think you might be a little stupid or whatever. I wasn't. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm a very smart guy, but I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I'm not stupid. I was just too afraid to talk. But then I found out like, oh, I can be, I can talk. I can be uh, the funny guy and whatever. So I really started to rely on, you know, alcohol, drugs, whatever, because for me, it was the loop in, in a conversation, you know, it was so, and I think there's a lot of people out there and don't underestimate this. Um, see, 
let's say uh, you got a headache, right? Now, there are people that take their first aspirin, you know, and they, well, you know, the headache goes away and that's it. But I think for me, it was like, uh, oh, I got a, I got a headache. I take an aspirin and the pain goes away. See, and, and that whole line, the pain goes away. You know, that, that is like, I think there's two kind of uh, people. Some get addicted to something and I really learned to trust on the medication that I found worked for me, you know? So that was the trap, you know? And, uh, because then, you know, the, uh, well, you know, I, 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 I had the balls to talk all of a sudden I was a charming guy, a funny guy. And I, I learned to rely on that so much, you know, that the whole alcohol thing and whatever, it just became a part of my life, you know, not always binging, but always there. And especially in hairdressing, come on, man, we are people that make other people pretty. A lot of hairdressers love to party, you know, because I know a lot of people in my profession that are like heavy partiers. And again, I'm not going to say don't party. Now, when, you, was, when you were touring, I mean, <clears throat> was it like the same in every country and every continent? I mean, was everybody partied pretty much (laughs) especially in our profession i think it's kind of i think i don't know man it's kind of you know a lot of the people i met in hairdressing are very um and 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 please to all the listeners um I'm Dutch, so sometimes I got to look for the right words in English. But uh, a lot of hairdresser people are very flamboyant. Is that the right word? It'll yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and very outgoing. So when I started traveling, now don't get me wrong, um, because the thing is, the people that like to party, they stay. So I only met the people that love to party, you know, and especially after work or after a hair show, you know, the people that go home that, that, you know, maybe stay for half an hour, but I have the same now when I see that people are starting to get drunk. Yeah. You know, for me, it's not, I don't, I'm then I'm just going home now. And I, I just, I've learned to recognize the, the booby traps, you know, the, because it's like, it's, I mean, you guys used to smoke, you used to smoke too. The thing when you when I see somebody smoke on the television, I still go like, "Oh yeah, I need to smoke." It goes away right away, but the brain still goes like. Lane and me had to go to this bar the other day because uh, because uh, Scorum existed for ten years. We had our anniversary, so we were doing a live stream with three bands, right? And this was the first live music after a year and a half in lockdown and COVID and blah, blah. It was especially for us. It was super, super nice. I get in the car with Lane. We drive to the venue and I swear to God, my brain felt, I'm, my brain or my ass, but they felt like, hey, this is the route to the fucking venue. And I wanted to, and I wanted to smoke a cigarette. Yeah, so it's your brain that, that, that screws with you every now and then, right? I still enjoy the secondhand smoke. I think it's important. I think it's important. And you brought it up is, is, is to know is to create guardrails. So, you know, not to cross the guardrails. Right. So, so once that, once you've committed to this, like, like you've committed to not smoking, you've committed to not, not, not using drugs or not using alcohol. It's never like the decision to make 
the, the right. It's, it, you don't want to be in a position where you have to decide whether you're going to drink or whether you're going to use. Right. You have to find out what that what that guardrail is about two or three feet inside of that decision and go, oh, these are all bad things. You know, yeah. these are all, these, this is going to lead me onto a bad track. And that's why I'm going to go home. You know, I'm going to I, I kind of want to follow that up with with Rob, like. You're very why this conversation is so interesting to me is that for 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 a few years in the very, 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 very first time we met, we met in D.C. You, you and Lane were on tour. It might have been your first U.S. tour. You had just you had just left Manhattan. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. You had just left Manhattan and a bomb went off about 100 feet from you guys. And this is oh my very, God. Yeah. So this is the very next, this is the very next evening. And we were with our distributor. His name is Dwayne. And, and we were upstairs with Dwayne and it was just me, me, Tony, Dwayne, and you guys. And, and it's funny because you guys were jonesing for a beer because for some reason the bar wouldn't give you a beer. And Dwayne goes, you guys want a beer? Give me a second. He actually went out to a store and bought you guys like a six pack of beer or something. So just to back up and all setting that all up. For, for a few years, Rob, you were the party guy of the industry, you know, not exclusively, but you were the party guy of the industry. And, 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 and when, when, when I got word, or I don't even remember if you told me that you were sober or somebody in your, in your world told me that you were sober. Like, I, I, first off, I was like a little shocked. And I was like, I hope Rob can do this because his entire, up to that point, his entire everything, his entire character was Mr. Party Guy. His whole persona. His whole persona was Mr. Party Guy. And and, and to be able to kind of like put that away. And as he said, like he relied so much on that to be this rock star that he is. You know, I, I just I was I was I, I'm not going to say I was skeptical, Rob, but I was concerned. Could you live up to it? Because because you have to kill a little bit of that guy at, at the same time. Dude, the the first the first year was the hardest, I guess, because I was I was I was not completely sure I was going to make it too, man, because I remember that I only put it on social media after a year. You know, I didn't talk about it to nobody. I was like, I got to do this first. And I did it while being on the road. So everywhere I came and you, I, I, I don't even think you realize how crazy you got because of the reputation wherever I went there were always people which is awesome don't get me wrong but they knew you know about my habits so there was always after a show there were people with gifts man you know little bags of cocaine or or weed or you know everybody wanted to buy you a beer everybody wanted to have that photo where they're cheering with you so whenever they came up to you they never came empty-handed it was always with beers and all of a sudden I turned into the guy like, oh, no, thanks, man. I'm good. I'm good. And they were like, oh, but I said, no, I'm really good. And I try to explain to people. And at first they didn't really believe it. But then I kind of find out it wasn't it wasn't that hard, man. It was a persona I created online, I guess, by just being me. And I had I, I, I actually don't really had. I didn't realize how big of a persona that became till I stopped. But, um, you know, I had Lane on my side who was like, no, he's, he's, he really is like that now. In the beginning, I actually lied. I was like, no, man, I'm on um, the medication, you know. Um, uh, like so, antibiotic or something? Yeah, antibiotics. You can't drink with antibiotics. So that that is kind of what I did the first two months because I didn't, 
understand the whole procedure of saying no. Saying no is hard, man. Saying no to other people, you know, saying no to yourself, that is the hardest part. But saying no to other people that all mean good, that was kind of hard too. But um, what was the what was the conversation with Lane? Even though you didn't mention it for a year to the industry, but you had to have have the conversation with Lane because he's got to see the difference. Yeah, the problem with Lane was, and I do not blame him for this at all, but I've tried to stop so many times, you know, so, so many times. So in the beginning, he didn't believe me either. But uh, slowly, you know, after a month, I mean, normally when I try to stop, it was usually one or two months and then I would have uh, a relapse. And uh, But now, you know, I started to uh, get on a very, very tight running um the schedule, changed my diet, everything, you know, I wanted to get all the poison out of my body, you know, drinking water, 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 actually going home after a show. And at that point, you might discover your biggest addiction, which is attention. So when you do a hair show, um, one of the best parts is afterwards when, when, well, you are loved by many, many people, you know, everybody wants to have a little piece of you because they saw you on Instagram and everybody wants to shake your hand and tell you how much they love your work and whatever, you know, and that is very, very, um, an addictive thing. So, uh, but, uh, so it's kind of hard, you know, because we always, we always take a photo with fans and whatever, but after that, because normally during the photos, you would drink and drink more and more and more. We would drink so much. And then, you know, when we're done with the photos, then the real drinking started, you know, because then it was time to party with those that didn't want to go home. So, you know, I kind of quit after the photos, I would go straight to the hotel room. Yeah. And, and, and after a few weeks, I kind of realized that, you know, the next morning I would be rested. I would have so much more energy for the next hair show. And what is really important. I really, really like being on stage because, you know, I battled the whole thing with uh, the speech problem, the, the whole, so when I'm on stage, I feel, you know, I, I feel, I feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm good at that. As scared as I am every time, but I would get so much higher on being on that stage, you know, and especially when sobering up that high got so much bigger because I was enjoying it so much more sober, which was crazy. Cause on the other hand, I was getting really scared of doing the hair shows completely sober. Like, oh my God, what's gonna happen when the stutter comes back or when I don't know what to say anymore. But then again, man, I got lame. And what the fuck's gonna happen? What What's gonna happen? Everybody bought a ticket to see you because they love your work. So if you don't know what to say, do your work, man. Let your work do the talking. And, and that kind of became a thing in my head and it just got better from there. And uh, you also kind of realize, you know, Doing drugs or doing alcohol to party, it's okay. Don't let anybody ever tell. I, I just don't believe that. It is fun to have a drink. It tastes good. It makes you talk easier. You think you're more attractive to the girls, which you usually are not. But, you know, 
it is a little mind fuck, but I was not at that stage anymore. I was sick, you know, because I was doing this every day. I was drinking every day. I was doing shit every day. It cost me my marriage. I lost my, my ex-wife because of this whole explosion of attention, what happened with Scorum and everything. So when I sobered up, every day I got a little bit more sober. I realized more and more like, oh, my God, I was completely off the tracks, man. So I was healing, you know, and that is a good feeling. And all of a sudden, you know, the running got better. I could run further. And I was getting high on running because let's be honest, I now run like 75 kilometer a week, which is about uh, 50 miles or something. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. but it's a lot. So, um, see, I'm still, I still have the addictive personality. I just traded it with something that's better. I've right? never met, I've never met, I've never met anybody with an addiction that didn't find another obsession, right? Now, now, what, what you hope for is that that obsession, like you said, like you're running, is is is, is in a positive route, you know. But but I've never, I, I, have you? I mean, anybody that's kind of given up an obsession or an addiction, they just find something else to fill that space, and hopefully that it's a it's a healthy space. But so many of us like to uh, find that fill that space with more negativeness, whether it's gambling or or you know fill in the blank um, negative. But it's a void. You know, because when you stop, it's a void. You know what? I'm working on the Roach Project and it's so much fun. But you know what I'm scared of? To be done. Because what am I going to do then? You know, it is always, it's, it's always like that. And don't forget, being, being addictive, that is, that is a lot of work. You know, I mean, finding your, finding your shit, and especially when you're in a, uh, uh, when you're not in your own town, you know, you got to know people, you got to go out and get to know people. It's, 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 it's dangerous. It's, it's, it's a lot of work. And then you got to keep your mind. You got to always do the math. Like, Oh, I got to be clear enough to do this. Oh, I have a meeting at that point. So I get, you know, so there's a lot of uh, very addicted people out there that when they get clean, they're actually super hard workers, men. And they, you know what? <laughs> We can hustle, man. I always said, like, we, we got a lot of, you know, the name of our shop in Dutch is Scorum, which kind of means scumbags. And, you know, there's a lot to it. But we actually got people out of jail working for us for, this, for that reason, man. Right. People from that, that, that side of the community, that side of, you know, um, they know how to hustle. They know how to sell. A, if, you can sell if you can sell drugs, man, you can definitely sell pomade. <laughs> note it note it hey you mentioned meetings are you um and, and where are you are, are you in a 12-step program or no. go cold turkey you were just like this is it i'm not this is it. Are, are you are you using any of the steps to kind of help you along or anything like for no. instance like did you apologize to your wife for being a jerk no not yet it's in my it's in my head a lot uh, so that is actually a very, uh, yeah, that you started by that one. That is a thing in my head. I know it's one of the steps and there's actually more people I should definitely apologize to. And sometimes I think I'm ready and sometimes the shame is still too much, but I'll get there. We are getting better. That, that is slowly healing too. A lot of happened and, there is definitely stuff I am not going to talk about on the internet because, you know, to, uh, to respect her privacy because sure. she's not thinking very highly of me. So I'll leave her out there. But, um, yeah, I'm growing to that. There have been people I did apologize to. 
So step by step, have I'm getting written, Have you written it down? No, it's all in my head, man. I got a very strong hard drive. But I have done the whole, um, you know, I went to see, uh, I went to seek help and blah, blah. Never really worked for me. Um, I read this very interesting book about the 12 step program, which is, uh, I don't know, I don't have it here, but it's a book written by a punk rocker who got sober. It's, it's, it's actually really good. So, um, but there are parts of it that, that just don't work for me, man. And, um, uh, especially, uh, especially, especially finding your higher spirit and stuff that is not, that is something for me that's very hard to put my hands around too. I am like, I'm like, I'm like kind of hardcore, like, you know, just, just go. Have just, you had a conversation with your daughter uh, about yes. that night and, 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 and kind of, you know, thank her and that, you know, for looking at me that way or. Yeah. Yeah. I did talk to my daughter and um, we, uh, my daughter is a very intelligent woman and um she once wrote me a letter at a certain point, which was very interesting because she, she, okay. So this is going to sound a little weird, but, um, she kind of thanked me for having a great childhood. You know, I was a very young father and thank God I have never been, um, neglectic or an aggressive drinker or whatever. I just really, really was like, there are no rules. She grew up in, uh, she grew up, you know, always being on the beach in bars, going to concerts at a very, very young age. Cause I was just like a free minded guy. I would take her anywhere. You know, I was this hippie with a, with a, with a, with a child with him, but she now sees how I'm uh, bringing up my son. And she goes like, this is so weird. You know, my brother has a completely different father than the father I had, you know, but she did see that the last five years, my ego was fucked. So she was very grateful that I stopped, especially because she started living at my place instead of at her mom's. So she saw it from close by. So then she starts seeing the parts that weren't that much fun. So she's very happy I stopped. But you know what? In the beginning, I wasn't always like a cheerful guy, man. When I was sobering up, damn, I was, I was like, I was a, I was a fucking zombie sometimes. But now, you know, I really got into cooking and, and she's like, so I see her a lot and she is, uh, yeah, she's really, really, she's like, oh my God, you are a completely different person. You are so much more relaxed than you were back in the day. So I thanked her for, for giving me that eye, but she didn't even realize she gave it. So that, that, that's like a weird thing, which actually makes it even worse that it was like just a look, but it was the look for me. You know what I mean? Yep. How, um, how are you raising your son differently than you did your daughter? And I assume he's younger. Well, he's nine and he's got more rules. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, what's funny, Rob, is that it's usually the opposite, right? Like your first one, you're super strict with, and then the second one, you kind of wear out and you're like, ah, whatever. Right? Yeah, no, man. It's the other way around. I was with the first one. I was, you know, her, her mom and, and myself, we were, we were, I mean, we, my daughter grew up in squats, you know, there were always people with blue hair walking around. 
So it's kind of cool, man. She, she has no, there is absolutely, she sees every, some people, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from, what color you got, what, what music you listen to, your, she is like the most open-minded woman. I mean, have you ever seen her art page? You should really check it out. Art, art, art by Puck on the Instagram. So I'm just going to do this for her real fast. I, 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 I was about to do that actually. Oh my say, God. Her art's really cool, man. She, she oh my does some great she, art. She is amazing. And she's all fighting for the liberty of women and, 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 openness about and and i'm i'm like you know i mean i'm a proud dad but when i look at her art, i'm just like holy fuck how did i make this man how, <laughs> but she got there from being raised i hope i hope well, well she she literally thanked me for how she was being raised when she compares it to friends but then again uh i do see that my son needs a little bit more rules i think that puck my daughter was just born to be you know, left off the leash. It was uh, leash, not leech. leash. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, she's just this free spirit that 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 needed that kind of upbringing, I guess. And don't get me wrong, my son is great, but he needs a little bit more, like you know, a little more guidance. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 hey, I'm going to bed at nine. <laughs> <laughs> days, I didn't sleep for 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 nights. You know, it's it's just completely different. There is structure in my life, so there is structure in his life. Sure, that makes total sense, right? Hundred percent. Yeah. How? Uh, but you just know how he's sneaking out when you're asleep. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> and if he is, if he is, if he is, oh, yet, he will be. He is. He's definitely. I. You know what? My daughter. Um. She is like. And she's not anti-drugs. She has tried some, but never the hard stuff because she saw what it did to me, I guess. And she she is very like, no, I don't, I don't, I just don't need that. I think my son, when he gets older, might be a little bit more of a, a rebel. He will be the guy sneaking out, which is all good, man. You know, you got to... You got to live an adventurous life. That's something I really believe. And I led a very, very, very adventurous life, man. I just, I just kind of, I just kind of didn't know uh, when to, when to stop. And, and I think I, I can give my children that advice, you know, like when to stop. My mom and dad actually did an intervention, like uh, when I was about 21, because this started when I was 14, so they 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 literally got me from my house in a van with the with the neighbors and blah blah and took me to that does not work that shit just does not work you got to recognize what it is and you got to understand the reason why people do it you know that's 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 the most important thing you got to understand why people do the things they do there's always a reason behind it and a lot of it is self education whether you got ADD or HE you know back in my days you didn't get that stamp you know people were just like oh he's a little different you know I don't know it's that is just some some people just just you know when when sometimes when you take things it's it's like with me there's always a radio on in my head it's always super super busy you know and I know how to handle that stuff and actually now that I'm getting older I kind of appreciate the buzz in my head, but back then it was driving me fucking nuts, man. Too many ideas, you know, completely restless. So doing all this stuff kind of, 
And you know what's also weird? I have been doing this for so long, but I have been successful doing it. You know, I do get creative with it sometimes. And there have been days and nights of work and work and work. I have worked my ass off. I have never skipped one day at work, you know, because of a hangover or whatever. I was always there at 10, you know? So I would party with the people working for me. And then I got three people working for me, calling in sick, but I was there, you know? So it's always just been a huge part of my life, man. Hey, you said that, um, you know, there's always something under the alcohol or, or the addiction. We'll just call it addiction. There, there's there's something under the addiction. What uh, Since you've sobered up a few years ago, uh, how much soul searching have you done? And with your head being so busy with ideas and stuff, is there space for you to kind of do soul searching to kind of figure out what that foundation was one. Um, and do you think that, and do you think that the racy brain was kind of trying to hide all that stuff as well? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I mean, you gotta, I'm, I have to be careful what I'm saying about this because let's say um, I kind of turn into a bit of a hermit right now while I've always been like super social, like always being out of the door so now that I'm getting closer to myself, I'm actually finding out I'm, I am, I'm quite introvert, you know, I'm like, I really, really, you know, I'm working super hard at the moment, but, um, yeah, you know, the whole social thing. And I think this might going to change because, uh, I did talk a lot to a friend of mine, who is this actor from the Netherlands and uh, he got uh, sober two years before me and he went through the same thing. And he is, he's quite a famous guy, you know? So he was always like, um, uh, he, he also had to go to, to every opening, every premiere, every blah, blah, blah. And, and, and he had the same, he was just like, Oh my God, I need to be alone. I need to be alone. I have the same thing. So Honestly, the whole COVID situation kind of um, uh, together with getting sober. And we actually talked about this right before the podcast, while I thought the podcast already started. But, um, <laughs> you know, um, being at home uh, and this is this is. Um, uh, the thing, you know, Lane really wants to get back on the road. You know, he really misses it. And I thought I was going to miss it a lot. But being at home, uh, working on the Roach projects, you know, I'm not going to show too much, but it's going to be pretty good. <laughs> um, uh, this made me realize that what I really, really need in my life to function the best is making great shit. That is that I should be here creating great stuff. And when I get on the road, I still do haircuts on stage, but being on stage is more of a job than literally doing the haircuts at home. And I am so relaxed in my head at the moment. I'm feeling so good doing all the stuff. Um, what I also find found out, because this story may sound a little chaotic, but there is a lot of symptoms that come with um, being addicted, I guess, which a lot of people don't realize. There was a lot of fear in my life, anxiety, depression, which I was always taking more and more or whatever. And um, this is a message that everybody out there that does enjoy their drinks, but know they're doing a little bit too much, 
I can tell you one thing. If you take that, if you take that part out of your life, a lot of, uh, a lot of these things that you think you might be fighting with it actually go away. Dep- I, I, I used, I, 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 I do not have depressions anymore. There is a lot of fear, a lot of guilt, you know, from things you've done. It's softened up, you know, and getting all that shit out of your head. That is what makes it worth getting sober. You know what I mean? It is, there is a lot of shit going on in your head that you just don't realize is going on. I always thought it was part of being me. Oh no, that's my character. I am a little bit of a dark person. I actually, I'm not that dark at all. It was just, you know, because you are using all your, um, what are they called? Neurotransmitters, the neurotransmitters. the Neurotransmitters. Yeah. So those are the ones that make the feel-good stuff. So those were always empty, and that's where all that shit comes from, man. You don't even realize it. Yeah, it's, it, it, we... <laughs> Ironically, we talked about, or coincidentally, we talked about this, you know, before the podcast too, is that, you know, when, when we did our, we did our donate-a-thon that, that Rob and Lane were, were, were so gracious to hang out with us and we did 18 hours straight and what happens the next day, and it also happens after shows and stuff is that you, you get this dopamine drop. Right. Like, yeah. like, like you're running on dopamine, running on dopamine, running on dopamine. So then when you remove yourself from that, from that adrenaline, that dopamine, then you get in a dopamine drop. And like, like Tony and I were discussing, we were discussing with you is that the day after that, like, we don't want to do anything. We didn't even want to talk, you know, and it's not like, you, you know, you're not being antisocial, but it looks very, my wife even said like, dude, what's going on with you today? And I kind of had to explain her the dopamine drop thing. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong. There's just nothing there, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, my nephew, who's a Navy SEAL, he uh, he was saying that. Um, do you know about Navy SEAL training, Rob? Oh yeah, fuck man, I read the Dave uh, the Goggins uh, dude. Yeah, I just finished that book. Yeah, yeah, I love that book. Oh my god, oh my god, that guy. He 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 ran a marathon on broken legs, man. I'm just like, what? <laughs> Crazy, it's so nuts. So my nephew, who's a who's a Navy SEAL. Um, after training, I was like, you know, what was the hardest, what was the hardest part of budge training, the basic training? He said it was actually the week after hell week. It it wasn't hell week. That was the toughest. It was the week after, because now you're sitting there with 30 alpha men. You all have had a dopamine drop. And what that means is that you're irritated quick. You you know, you're on edge the entire time. And that was the type of, that was the hardest week for them because they just couldn't perform. They were forced not to perform and they were forced to kind of replenish those dopamine stores, you know? Um, so I, I found it very interesting when you were like, you didn't use the word dopamine, but you said the feel good stuff, you know, but, but you're right. Like when you're, when you're using alcohol and you're using dope or you're using whatever, once you stop using that, now you have this dopamine drop and actually it probably happens while you're using it too. Cause you can only keep up so much with the dopamine. And like, once that drops, that's where all those feelings are coming. And then you're thinking like, Oh, these are bad feelings. I need to use some more. So then you become, you're part of this like incredibly vicious cycle. And the yeah. only way out of it and that's probably what the hard part about like getting off is, you know, is, is getting off it is to, is to, you have to experience that dopamine. Your body has to recognize that that dopamine will be available to you. And you're talking about like the feelings and bad, bad memories and stuff like that. And you never allow your brain to necessarily process it and deal with it because you're constantly, you know what I mean? Masking it like, okay, you know, I'm dark or whatever. It's because you're not dealing with all those feelings. Yeah. It's the yin of the yang, the chicken of the egg. Right. No, it's exactly that, man. And um, now with the running, you know, you get time to, 
but it's all falling in place. And you know what? People go like, oh my God, you're so for two and a half years. That is so good. And I'm just like, I'm just getting started, man, because there is so much stuff that you still got to have to deal with. And you still got to really find out what you're all about, man. You got to reinvent yourself. And you're not always going to like the guy that you're going to end up being, you know, because I think, oh my God, my life is boring or people might think I'm boring. Yeah, you got to learn to deal with that stuff too. But that is the good thing about getting older. I love getting older. I know a lot of people are out there like, oh my God, you know, I still go out skateboarding. I still, uh, you know, I still play with my son. I feel more fit than I did in my my entire life, you know? So um, I am... uh, I am slowly starting to like the sober guy. But in the beginning, I did not because, you know, I was so used to the fucked up guy. You know, I just I found that way easier, um, you know, to be. Well, it's like buying a like buying a like a, um, a closet from Ikea, man. You know, it is you always get like, yeah. So I completely understand how to build, how to, how to build the guy that I used to be, man. You get up, you do this, that rhythm. But now sometimes emotions and feelings just like hit you in the face, but I know how to deal them, deal with them better. So yeah. And moving forward and moving forward, you'll know how to deal with them even better. Right. I mean, that, that, yeah. that's the game here. You know, yeah, well, I just, and I just don't really, you know, this is such a cliche, but you know, when you are when you are getting high and stuff, you're always like, I don't give a fuck about anybody, blah blah. But that's not true, man. You actually gave so more. You give so more fucks about what everybody thinks or whatever. And now sobering up, I'm actually like, you know what? I don't. I don't really care, man. I got my girlfriend. I got my family. I got my shop. I know exactly where my love has to go now. You know, there's only so much of it but I know exactly where to put it. So that it's just, it's just a better feeling, man. I am balanced out. You know, I, I found that, and I don't know if you've, if, you, if you've experienced this because, you know, we've been locked down for a year and a half, but, but I found about two years after I stopped drinking, you know, once people, cause I think a year after you stopped drinking, like people are like, ah, you're going to fall off. You're going to fall off. You're going to fall off. But right about the two year mark, like people start to understand that, oh, you're in for the long haul, you know, and, 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 and the only thing I've ever gained from that, Robin, nobody ever talks about this, or I certainly haven't had this conversation is that people only gain respect at that point. And, and, and I have more respect now than I ever did drinking or, or, or whatever I was up to, you know what I mean? So, so now it's nothing but respect. And like, when you go to a bar after, after a few years, when you go to a bar and someone offers you a drink, you're like, no, 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 I'm just going to have water. You know, now you don't even have to say I'm sober. You know, you don't have to stand on anything. You're like, no, 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 that's okay. I'll have water. Water. But 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 that comes with a lot of respect, and and it's pretty amazing that it's pretty amazing how open people are to have conversations with you about anything that's real. You know, once you're in that space, hey, um, well, I'll, I'll I'll pose it as a question: Have you experienced that, or or maybe because we've been in COVID, that hasn't happened? No, absolutely, man. I see it everywhere. First of all, and I lost twenty kilos. You know, so. Now people, you know why this is funny because uh, our bars opened up three days ago. Well, not actually the bars, but the outside stuff. So Mm -hmm. you are allowed to have a beer outside again. And I've been walking through town and all these places and people just go like, oh my God, you know, because first of all, I've lost a lot of weight. My eyes are very clear and (laughs) I, and I stop at the terraces and go, and I say hi to everybody and I'm being super nice to everybody, and I walk on, 
and everybody's like, oh, wait a minute, you know, and it works. And what I really appreciate is that in the beginning, people were like, mm, but I got so many messages from so many people that are asking me, oh my God, I want to do this too. You know, people that I've never expected it off that are struggling with it. Well, I just thought I had it under control, whatever. They're going like, how did you do it? So, and that is really, really, I, you know, that is something really nice to see. I actually think people are shifting a lot. You know, it might be because of the, uh, because we get older, but so many people are just fed up because let's be honest, when you go to a bar, it's like, it can be super fun, but then, uh, you know, the song glory days from, uh, from Bruce Springsteen, you know, everybody starts talking to everybody starts telling the same story over and over and over again, man. And, and, and that is something kind of, in the beginning, it 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 kind of used to make me angry, you know, being the sober guy. I was like, oh, here we go again. But now I just start smiling, like, oh, here we go again. Time to go. <laughs> you know now what you I start mean? Start making fun of them. Now you're like enjoying it, like, all right, <laughs> you know what I mean? Glory, yeah, dude. you know, you write it down. But in the beginning, I was frustrated. But now I realize, oh yeah, but Rob, that is not fair, man. You used to do the same thing. And it's great telling the same memory with your friends over and over again. It gives you a good feeling and you stepped out of it and it's just fine. You know, it is, I used to, I used to really struggle with that, but I just got over that, man. And, you know, another thing is nowadays, and this is not for everybody. I know this, but I drink the the non-alcoholic beers. It's mm-hmm. the fucking it's a fucking placebo, man. It's just like when I sit with those people, I went to a concert uh, about a year ago, uh, one of the bands I really like, and that is like a super rock and roll band. It's, it's got, it's got alcohol and drugs written all over it. And I was scared, man, to go there because, you know, there would have been, I have been seeing this band for 25 years. Um, and I went there and I just had my non-alcoholic beers and I swear to God, I didn't get drunk, but I got into that mood. Like, rah, rah. And I felt contact it. high. <laughs> yeah, but it was an epiphany. I was like, oh my God, I can still go into the pit. I can still have to stay. I was scared to go there. I told my girlfriend, like, look, if I don't feel right, I just want to go right away and blah, blah. It was all... It was a great night. And that was such an important moment to me, man. I was like, oh, my God, this I can do this, too. You know, and that, and that was just a great moment. That's awesome. How do you, um, you know, you said that, that you're not in a hurry to get back on the road, but 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 in the position that you're in, that you're in, ultimately, you're going to end up back on the road. Ultimately, you're going to end up back touring have you come up with any strategies or plans of like how you're going to manage all this moving forward once you're back on the road yeah, uh, I mean, do you have yeah. your team that you can lean on or they they or, or are times they're gonna have to lean on you to be like come on rob you know what um i think i have uh without with I'm, i mean this is gonna sound like blowing smoke up my own ass but i think i got a pretty strong personality when it comes to that because I don't want to go back, you know, and um, I had this one, uh, I think, you know what, there was this, this, this 14 days, and I ran in Sydney, I ran in Seoul, and I ran in Tokyo, you know, I ran in Tokyo with, um, with Kevin, 
yeah. Luckman? Yeah. I ran in, uh, um, I don't really remember where it was, but I ran with Mari DeMonte. She, uh, she, she, she is a runner. So I ran with her in America. And I was like, oh my God, this is so much cooler to say that I ran in these three cities in 14 days than hey, I drank in those three. I mean, everybody yeah. drinks in those three cities, but who ran 21 kilometers in that city in 14 days? So, you know, that is like, it's, I don't even find it very hard anymore. You know, you know, it's, you, know you, you know what you should do. You should start like a Sunday or a Monday morning running club at, at at all the hair shows. Like 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 get a bunch of hairdressers together, and that way you're forced to go to bed early. Hey man, I posted in my stories in Hong Kong. Hey, anybody wants to go for a long distance uh, run tomorrow? And I ended up with these two runners in Hong Kong. Apparently, there was this trail through the mountains. They picked me up. No way. <laughs> How cool is, you know? That is cool. Yeah, fuck yeah, that's cool. Because back in the days it was like, hey, who wants to party tonight? When, But now it was, and there are always people like, oh my God, I know this perfect route this is going to be awesome. It was, you know, they were super hyped about it because, you know, they were like, oh my God, we're going to walk with the, we're going to run with this guy that I know from Instagram who does the haircuts. But for me, See, I would never see myself as that. I just do whatever I like. And I got very lucky that other people like it too. But to go on a run with locals, fucking awesome. You're going to see parts. <laughs> I saw parts of Hong Kong that you will never see, you know, because you're not going to find those secret trails. If somebody now comes to Rotterdam and go like, hey, Rob, want to go for I'm like, yeah, man, I know this beautiful. Runners know all the good stuff. So were you a vegetarian or a vegan before you became clean? Ooh. Yeah. 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 I've been a vegetarian pretty much half of my life. I mean, I did eat meat in between. Uh, been a vegetarian for the last six years, been vegan for a year and a half now. Um, I actually get more shit about being vegan than I, uh, than about <laughs> being, uh, being sober. That's because your name is the bloody butcher, man. You can't be the bloody butcher and be a vegan. Well, the funny part is, you know, that whole bloody butcher story actually came from the whole Lane and Burris thing because I really hated that name. So uh, you should never create your own um, a nickname. But talking about nicking, I I had this guy in my chair that after a night of drinking, thank God it was a friend of mine, but Irish dude, um, I gave him a shave, man, and I fucking butchered him. So he was... He was, so he, so he, and this is a good friend. So he was like, Hey man, you're not a barber. You're a bloody butcher. So <laughs> I kind of, I, I thought it was super funny. So I used that name on Instagram. When I opened my Instagram account, I've never had another name on, on Instagram. That was just like, Oh, what's going to be your username. And I was like, Oh, that's fun. So that's where it comes from, man. I cut up people, not animals. So yeah. <laughs> what's that? What was that Johnny Depp movie? Here's the barber. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Sweeney. Sweeney. Yeah. Sweeney. Yeah. <laughs> Rob yeah. Sweeney. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have Matt Sweeney. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Oh, oh, I got some great stories about what we actually talked about that one, right? With when uh, when I cut somebody's lip. Yeah. yeah, that on the well, donatathon. We did that on the donatathon, but let, I mean, you know, listen, we'll have more listeners here. So uh, go ahead and tell that story again because this uh, this makes us all cringe. Yeah, I have a lot of stories about ears and everything, but I cut somebody's lip. 
So uh, this was back in the day when I was doing the women's hair and I had this lady with the bob, like a super nice, strong boxed bob. Um, and when you wanna when you wanna go really straight, what you do is you kind of tilt the head, you lay that hair flat down and you point cut right under that little edge. So I'm going, going, going. And then there was this, I don't know, this was this li- really thick piece of hair. And I got like super sharp fucking scissors, you know? So I'm like, what? And I cut and she's like, <laughs> so I cut her right here in her lip and it bleeded. Oh my God. It was like, with every heartbeat, it was squirting out, man. No. It was really not <laughs> that big of a cut. But I, that is the thing when you use razors or like uh, your Japanese uh, uh, scissors, the thing with a wound is if it's a little, um, what's the word? Uh, rugged. Like, yeah. Then it closes super fast. But the thing is, when you open somebody up with a scalpel, like a surgeon, you got to stitch because those edges are so clean. And that's why it bleeds so hard, you know, because oh. the veins don't simply distract. That bleeded. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That, that, that was terrible. And you know what I also did? That was horrible. Remember back in the 80s? No, in the 90s when everybody had the eyebrow piercing, like the little ring? So oh, I had so I had this girl, I had a horrible eyebrow piercing. It was hanging like by a string, man. And she had a fringe. So I'm combing the fringe. And I just combed the piercing out, man. I just ripped the eyebrow. Oh! Yeah. yeah you was, are definitely the bloody butcher. Yeah. You are the bloody oh. butcher, man. Oh, oh yeah. I got some great stories about blood and gore. But, um, <laughs> oh, no, man. It's always kind of been, you know, because I'm really into comic books. I'm really into, you know, B-movies. So the Bloody Butcher is a great name, you know. It it really goes, it really fits me, you know. And especially now it, again. It, it with fits the, the vegan. <laughs> yeah. Fuck the, fuck the whole, the vegan thing is just a lifestyle, man. I just, you know, and I was actually thinking about this before the podcast. Because today there was, uh, I had a model, my son was there and the, the model goes like, oh, are you go uh, out with your dad? Are you are you guys going to get some hot dogs? And I was like, you know, oh, here we go. I said, well, yeah, I don't think he wants hot dogs. Maybe he wants hot dogs. He gets them with his mom, whatever. But it literally gets me sick thinking about eating a fucking hot dog. It's like, well, I am not ever going to eat meat again in my whole life. Wow. That it's funny. I'm a vegetarian, but I, I, same, just like with like, uh, like quitting drinking and stuff. Like it's weird. The reaction that people have to have to you one. And it's weird because like, why does anybody care what I put in my mouth? Like the, the, it's so strange to me how people like take an interest in what you're eating, and what you're not eating. That doesn't happen so much anymore, but certainly early on, it used to annoy me. Like, why do you care what I eat? Like, that doesn't make sense to me on any level, you know, especially like that. It's like, you know, it's not, I, 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 I don't know. Can you have an opinion if you eat a lot of sugar? I mean, I, I don't know. That to me is something else. Are, your veganism, is it more just like, is it a moral thing or, or what, how did you kind of get there? Um, well, I've been a vegetarian for quite a long time. Um, you know, the whole punk rock scene was part of it. So I've always been very aware of what I ate. Um, especially when I was back on the, when I was really heavy drinking, I, you know, you just get super hungry. So I didn't really care anymore. So I started eating all that that bullshit again. And then I went back to being a vegetarian and you know what? 
I used to say vegan is too hardcore for me or and um and and then this girl that I know that uh, is a vegan um I made that stupid comment that a lot of people that 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 you know I I I used to say to her well you know what I could never quit eating cheese and she just responded no you don't want to quit eating cheese but not like with a but it resonated with me and I'm like yeah yeah that makes sense I don't want to why do why 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 is that and cheese was literally with chocolate the only dairy I was still eating so I was like you know what let's take it out of my diet let's see what's happened because I read a lot about it too and especially with the running uh apparently dairy uh causes a lot of uh in in inflammatory inflammatory inflammation yeah i don't know if that's the right word Uh, inflammation yeah yeah so on your knees and joints and blah 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 so i was like you know what i was already doing the whole almond thing oat milk thing you know because what really makes sense to me is like milk is for for young cows you know it's not for it's not me and and i was like plus the whole and i don't want to be the preachy guy i've always i'm always very careful to stay away from that but then when i then when you really think about things you go like oh wait a minute you have to be pregnant to give milk so basically they keep the cows pregnant they take away their children and blah and i was like oh my god that's 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 just horrible and then from there then on and believe it or not, it might just be in my head, but uh, when I quit the dairy, dude, my running just went like, so for me, that was like, oh man, I should not put this shit in my body. Yeah, my and- daughter, she uh, she's getting uh, the certification in one of the yogas and she uh, one of, she had to go two weeks vegan. And she has like fibromyalgia. She's, you know, she gets these headaches and stuff, but at the end of these two weeks, she had to write it down and track it. All her pain, all the inflammation, it all went away. Her headaches went away. I mean, all of it was gone. And so the, when the two weeks was up, she had an egg. And when she ate that egg, she felt so nauseous. So now she wants to stay vegan mm. because she felt so good. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, you know, it, I think it's different for everybody and I would never, you know, because people, I, when, when, when the people go like, you got to do that, 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 that's not working for me. So I try not to do that. I'm like, educate yourself, you know, maybe try taking stuff because I, I do believe from the bottom of my heart that what you put in your, it's a karma thing too, man. And, you know, when you put uh, a suffering in your body, you got to pay the price, you know, and there is no meat or animal products that is gained without suffering. You know, maybe if you have chickens in your backyard and you eat, but you know, it's still, come on, man, an egg, you know what it is, right? Yeah. I'm not going right. to go into it. <laughs> right. It's not it's not really, you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's a period. It's a chicken's period. <laughs> I am not going <laughs> <laughs> to eat anybody's a period, you know? <laughs> on, that <laughs> note, on that note, Rob, dude, once again, I, I, I want to thank you for the, for the honest friendship that, that we've had over the years. Like, like, 
Uh, one of the highlights every single weekend that we're at the show is we get to see you and Lane, and, and it's absolutely the highlight of our weekends. Um, I uh, we love you guys so much, and and, and we love the uh, what you share with the industry, and 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 this to me is just a little bit of a of a deeper route to share with the industry, you know, and, and, and I appreciate you guys more than you'll ever know. And, and, and I don't know if the words envious, but, 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 but I, I respect you so much to with the respect that you have from the industry to kind of stand on this a little bit in, in your own sobriety. And, and, and you're going to help so many more people than you ever thought you could even, even, even the people you don't hear from you're going to help. Because I, I think that, you know, just by you telling your story and being open about it, um, it's going to give people the strength. You know, it, it, it's very cool that you're the rock and roll guy that decided to do this, because now what you've done is, is, is you've given permission to everybody who, who, who wants who, who, who's seeking sobriety. It's, it's, it's given them permission to to, to do it. And, and, and I still be that. cool. And still be cool. Yeah. Who's cooler? Than, nobody's cooler than, than Burtis. I mean, Rob. I mean, Rob, nobody's cooler than Rob. <laughs> <laughs> the butcher. You know what? When you asked me for this, you were like, are you willing to talk about? I actually try to talk about it as much as possible because a lot of a lot of not getting sober is just fear, man. And fear, fear, fear is nothing. Fear is so easy to conquer. It's all it's all in your head. And you know what? Rock and roll should always be the reason, but not the excuse. So, you know, you can be as rock and roll as you want without all these uh this you can do it with or without you know it doesn't make you a a um a good or a bad person when when you're when you're not you know uh getting screwed up you know the most important thing is if you hurt yourself swat you know but it becomes a problem when you start hurting others with it and you got to recognize that moment but literally thank you for having me for this because if there's only just one one somebody out there that goes like, oh, wait a minute, I want to do this, then it was all worth it. Yeah, because you, yeah. you are going to feel so much better about yourself. So to that guy or girl listening, you know, one day at a time, it's really, really not that hard. It's only hard in your head. Trust me. Mm. On that note, Rob, once again, thank you very much. Thank you for hanging out with us. And thank you very, very much for joining us on your day off. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs> <laughs>